0: You're listening to Pod.
1: Welcome as we, Portia the Lifelong Fan and...
0: Amanda the First Time Reader...
1: Discover the books of Agatha Christie.
0: We are sisters who live on opposite ends of the U.S. Doing a quarantine project and who love to be soothed by British murder mysteries.
1: In this shithole of a moment in history, it's nice to have Poirot or Miss Marple solve it all. Welcome to ProRoPod. Yes, welcome to ProRoPod. It's actually about ProRo. It's very actually very
0: exciting.
1: A, a very a Poro-y kind of story as opposed to something. <laughs> you think it's ProRoey? Yeah, because it's a lot, yeah. Not a lot of clues that more thinking about it, you know. So today's uh, episode is about death in the clouds. Which is funny because it's another one of those that has different titles depending on where it was published. Oh, does so, it?
0: I didn't catch that.
1: So mine, for the podcast audience that can't hear me, I'm holding up a book,
0: they but it hear says you.
1: They can't hear you. <laughs> they're really good at hearing you,
0: but they're not that great at seeing you.
1: Seeing me? Who can't see me? <laughs> I'm holding up a book that says "Death in the Air." Now, oh, why? "Death in the Air." Why? Would, would we change the name? I don't know. But this particular version was published in 84. Okay. But yeah, Death in the Air.
0: And just to get it out of the way, is there racism in your version? In your 80s version? No. Like, noticeable? No. Okay. Yeah. Does that happened like last some... time.
1: Yeah, where it was like, oh, by the way, just throw in random... Yeah, no, no, no. This one is... Um, some, you know, anti-French feelings, but they kind of acknowledge
0: that. Which, you know, they're kind of like right. There, there, there's a comment on the foreigners must be the bad guys, right? Or, or less participating in it, but it's uh, foreignness means bad to people who haven't don't have nuanced thoughts about this. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, okay, so the this is uh, as you were saying a Praro mystery. From 1935. So that's our first one of those in a while. And, uh, yeah,
1: 1935. And um, the murder itself takes place on a plane. Um, and so it's kind of interesting. Now, that part of the story is only a small part of it, and then the rest of it is the, you know,
0: investigation. Right. But it, that's where the murder actually takes place, is on the airplane. So it's, it's a... Um... Oh man, what's it called on a on a uh, sitcom when it all takes place in one place like a a bucket or a there's a know. term for that there's a term for like when there's an episode where it's like you're in a capsule I'm failing at this. I have to get this <laughs> out I sound stupid <laughs> well, but basically is- there this number of suspects is limited because it's only the people could be on the plane like right. no one else could have done it because it has to be the people right, right, that are there
1: and um, it's told mostly from the point of view, well they kind of do some proro and some two other people, Jean, Jane Jane and Jane. Norman uh, so uh, it starts out with mostly Jane's
0: narrative, right? Right. So to introduce, um, we we miss we meet Jane, who is a hairstylist assistant, who played the numbers basically, right, <laughs> and won a, a certain amount um, in the basically off the books lottery, and, and then, yeah, treated it, herself to a trip to a trip to the not the Riviera, to where? No, the
1: French Riviera, La Pinay. Yeah. La Pinay, I don't know how do you say it because I only read it I didn't hear it how do they say it for La Pignée. Yeah,
0: what you said sounds good okay we both struggle with French words <laughs> but it's yeah it's
1: a town on the French coast on the Riviera okay and it's where all of her clients would go and then they she would they would come into London and they'd be like I'm going to La so Right. She, so then she's like I want to go I like go. your
0: rich lady voice that was good
1: yeah exactly yeah you know um and so she's like I want to go and they have casinos there, and right, so, so she goes
0: she takes herself on vacation and she gives herself a budget every night to um gamble and so they introduce the whole move the movie the whole book as she's sitting on the plane and trying not to look at the guy in front of her because he's the same guy at the roulette table just the other night. She had put down her money on. She was going back and forth between choosing five or six, and she chose five, and then the money all went on six. And he was like, "Hey, that you won that. You put your money on six. And she's like, "No, I didn't." But okay, cool. And this handsome man who had put his did. money on the actual winning number gave up his winnings to her and pretended that she won, and then walked away like he wasn't even didn't even really have an agenda for her. So like he was very noticeable because he was handsome and and did that for her and. Um, so she's now I guess they were sitting in those kind of seats like there right. are sometimes on trains now where they're right. you're facing each other. So she's awkwardly trying not to make eye contact with him because he's handsome and they had this moment the other night. And so she's busy staring at her shoes throughout the, throughout the flight.
1: Right. It's that description of her trying not to look at him was adorable. Like it was one of the it best. It was so cute. Yeah, you know, they really she's,
0: captured that
1: or she's just like i'm gonna look everywhere else in the plane except for above the blue pullover that he was wearing right uh. <laughs> uh, and so it was adorable and so she's describing the other people in the plane and she describes Poro um and then other people on the plane and she and agatha christie prefer old money to new money, which is hilarious.
0: Right. So even though she's a hairdresser's assistant, she can tell the difference between these, there's these two well-to-do ladies, young ladies. um, And one is clearly like very attractive, but new money titled because she'd married a title, but new money. And the other one was more plain but clearly had the class, knew exactly what to wear and all the things, and she respected her so much more.
1: And very horsey. The old one was right. also
0: very horsey.
1: <laughs> like, not look like a horse, but like into horses. Oh. Uh, and then, you know what's interesting? The beginning of this, they set it up that these two women are like, oh, you're on the plane too? Let's sit together. And then it turns out they hate each other because... They oh, hate
0: I'm... each other. But because it's like those society women. They're like, oh, darling. So lovely to see you. We want to sit together. And they got Pramero to switch his seats so they could sit together. Even though they truly hate each other.
1: Yeah. Or sit across from each other and the facing each other. So I sent you a picture of the... Yes, you did. That was helpful. Uh, of the seats. Um, but it is like there's... Eight seats, um, you know, uh, four in each of the aisle where they're facing each other. And then the rest of the plane, they're all facing front. Right. So it's just, it's only two of the seats. Right. So Jane that. got
0: unlucky to be sitting towards anybody and then to be sitting towards the handsome man. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> and then are uncomfortable. No, the seats obviously are humongous um, from the way they described them and this is clearly a flight for rich people. I mean, this is when, you know, they're not jam-packed together.
0: And there was another cabin where someone's maid was sitting. So that's where they, there was like a second-class cabin or whatever. This is clearly the first-class cabin. Right. Where there's not, but again, I think by today's standard, these are much wider seats oh, than totally. a first-class cabin because that's before they started packing people in like sardines.
1: And then they have, they don't have flight attendants. They have stewards. Right. And they bring on a full on meal with courses and real silverware and real cups and stuff. Yeah. On this flight that goes from Paris to Croydon, which is outside London. I mean, this is not a long flight. Right. It didn't seem like it, but they got they
0: got courses. Right. Um, and I'm assuming for the time period that it's a propeller plane. Like it wouldn't be a jet, right? right cause i don't know 35. i don't know when Aviation did jets history, come history i don't know that those things i'm just well, making assumptions
1: i know when did jets come around i don't know it's not information
0: that i know i shouldn't have brought it yeah up. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then go yeah, on the whole
1: structure of the plane so they do have the bathrooms in the middle so on the other side of jane because she's at one end and so you go to the bathrooms um and that's where the food The kitchen, what do they call it on a plane? Galley? Maybe. Sure. Uh, Or is that a boat? I don't know. Whatever. So the bathrooms and the food, kind of like, you know, when we've gone and you're going to the bathroom in the middle of a plane, there's like a, you know. And then at the back of the plane or the back of this cabin, I can't really tell, um, was luggage. This is where it gets a little bit, and this is going to be important because the person who's killed is at the very back and there's a pile of luggage and then like the a couple of seats in the very back like she got right so
0: what you get it also it seems like the second class cabin is in the front of the plane so compared to the um cultural expectations of today where first class is in the front it's sort of reversed Right,
1: right. Because
0: ne- in this one, first class is definitely in the rear of the plane.
1: And they definitely made it seem like it was a separate cabin, like you never even went into that other room because
0: they didn't the even ha- consider them as suspects.
1: Right, yeah. After even the though the happened, maid went back and
0: forth between two cabins. So, like, they could have been, but yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, but they totally forgot about her for sure. um So, then the people on the plane. So, we talked about Jane, we talked about the dude. That she's, you know, trying not to look at. Who's a dentist?
0: Yes, he's a dentist. Uh, uh,
1: and then uh, there's the m- murder victim, who is a rich old lady who is ugly. Uh, with the same <laughs> again, with, again
0: with the ugly, but like ugly because she had had smallpox. Smallpox, maybe? yeah. But again, uh, the Jane, who's sort of the protagonist, like remembers her from her. You know, when she was at the Riviera because of how ugly she was. So, again, right. sort of honing in on women who are remarkably ugly <laughs> was noticeable. Right. Um, so, yeah. So we don't really get introduced to her at all right. until towards the end of the flight, the steward goes to be like, ma'am, we're going to be landing soon. I need you to put your train to the upright position or whatever, you know, ninth and thirty-five version of that was. But she's super dead.
1: Right. So we don't get to, yeah, we don't get introduced to her at all because he does, she does kind of a, like a, this is what everybody's doing um, and what everybody's thinking. Because she talks about how the plane's kind of loud and so you don't talk as much and what they're all thinking. So she jumps to a- every person and what they're thinking. Right. Um, so Proro
0: is airsick and just goes to sleep. He's all muffled up.
1: <laughs> there's a doctor who's trying to figure out what to do with his life there's the two ri- um, rich ladies who are frenemies um, frenemies who are totally like thinking bad thoughts about each other and, um, and the one who's new money who's apparently been gambling all of her husband's money away and also coke also coke her, in-
0: her internal dialogue which I was like oh wow oh okay we're doing this she was like why did I <laughs> it's just like it's the coke it's the cocaine why did I get hooked on it the gambling and the cocaine. I'll never get enough money. And I was like, "Well, wow, okay. Well, this is happening. I I didn't know." Yeah, yeah. So that's a thing.
1: Um, and then and then uh,
0: yeah, and then the her friend of me across from her is like, "I hate her. She's the worst."
1: Why did Why did Why did he marry her? Why did he and marry her me? when she
0: could have had me? I'm so horsey. Right. <laughs> In then a good way.
1: A bis- <laughs> then there's a businessman who was busy being annoyed because he didn't get a loan. Right. And then there's t- to the two French people, because of course this is a plane that's going from France to England, So, that, but there's only two French people on it. And it's and a, it's father, a father, son, yeah, father
0: and son who fa- are archaeologists.
1: And so they're busy arguing about...
0: Um, Ancient whatever.
1: Right. And um, it's funny because we know, of course, now that Agatha Christie is married to an archaeologist. So there's a, several like... Um, Making fun of how they are getting so passionate and yelling about things. Oh,
0: I didn't think of that. You're so right. Yep.
1: And then a mystery writer who is hilarious, right? And
0: it's not her stand-in for herself because it's a man, but he. But it it is sort of it feels like a little bit of that that role of a stand-in because he's like excitable and, um, you know he's. I don't know.
1: Messy. Yeah. <laughs> he's messy. Later we find out he's, he's messy. He's
0: and he also, he's sort of a caricature.
1: Yeah, and he talks about how he um has his main character eat a lot of bananas. Um <laughs> and then he's like I did that once and now I have to do it now all Now I the have dang to do time. it.
0: I have to keep it up. Yeah. So she he does sort of make those sort of like inside jokes about being a mystery writer. So then they so Pro just the- happens to be on this this plane. So if you're a right. guy who's going to kill someone on a plane, you don't want Hercule Pro to be on that plane. But that's what happens. Right. right. And so they go the... to wake up this woman because they're about to land or whatever. She's dead and so the stewards go through being like, is anyone a doctor? There's a lady we think is dead, but we want to get a, is check. a doctor. There is a doctor.
1: And he's like, yeah, she's dead. There's a mark on her neck. And then earlier there was a bee or a wasp or whatever. Wasp.
0: Wasp so so, in a
1: plane. So first red flag for me is if I'm up in a plane that's going to fly for a couple of hours, my thing is how the hell did a wasp get inside the plane?
0: And also to me, like, we're all going to die because I will, I will do bad. I will make bad choices if there's me and a wasp in a plane. Like I'm busting through a window I'm now hijacking the plane to Cuba. I'm making a lot of bad choices because I'm scared <laughs> of this wasp. <laughs> right. But I just kept thinking about like... And I everyone seems that... so calm. Like, ugh, there's a wasp. And I was I like... I right? I would like literally be like so scared. I don't know why. I, maybe I have
1: right, abnormally scared
0: would, of like, wasps. But I'm it. picturing is a wasp the one with the like... That's like a bee with jellyfish parts underneath it? Like with the dangly... Yes. Yes. Penis stuff. Like, I am super scared of that. (laughs) What? Wait, what? It's like got dangly stuff underneath it that it can (laughs) can get you with, right? It's not like a regular bee. (laughs) A a wasp is a bee with extra penises? Is this what you're saying? (laughs) I mean, I feel like, am I wrong? It's got like, you know, it's like the the, the super hung version of a bee, right? It's kind of, I, it's, I guess so. It's, it does underneath of it. it's like, look how hard I'm going to sting mm. you with this.
1: <laughs> oh my god, that's funny.
0: Is that the Would right thing? Because like, yeah, there's yellow jackets yeah. and wasps and bees. Now, now I'm looking up hey, wasps and what they and look I'm like. It up. Yep, images. Oh yeah, I'm definitely that- crashing a plane for that. Okay. Although but, some uh, of them just but, look like bees, so maybe it just looked like a bee to them. I don't know the difference. But also,
1: like the wasp—it's not a honeybee until... looking,
0: but it's—it's it's more. Okay, maybe so, what is the thing I'm thinking of? that Has that all that extra stuff underneath? Well, there's a
1: couple of different kinds of of wasps and. Bees I wonder and what and the search jackets. term
0: for like extra penis. <laughs> <laughs> wasps,
1: but scary. No, but my my point is is like it, say it's a two. I don't know how many, how long the flight is. Three hours, two hours. They didn't really, but the wasp doesn't appear for like it doesn't appear till the last half hour or something,
0: right? Because that's we right. know it, it appears part way through the flight, or people notice it part way through the flight.
1: Which is like you would think right when the plane took off, there'd be a wasp, and people would be like. Hey, before we get off the ground...
0: Okay, so I might have been gotta... thinking of a hornet. Okay. Um, there's also this thing called a dirt domber, which seems to have this penis leg thing that this might be what <laughs> I'm scared of. I'm going to have nightmares tonight <laughs> looking at this thing. What's the difference Stop with, a, with a yellow jacket? No, I'm like... <laughs> you know what I meant, though. You know what I was talking about when I said Oh, it. I know
1: what you're talking about, but I just never would have thought of it as it's uh, it's a thing in the
0: middle of it at the bottom of it i never thought of
1: it as phallic (laughs) before but now i can kind of see that
0: that's just the the gay speaking oh this scary thing (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry okay go on so right so me, I'm gonna I'm gonna get off of the different types of hornets and and wasps. But the point is that like partway through the flight, they're like, "Ah, there's a wasp in here." No one's super scared, but we're gonna be annoyed by it. And then the son, then dead. the son of the French people, the fr- Dupont, yeah, yeah, kill, kill, kills it.
1: And then so when they find the lady, and she's got. A mark on her neck somebody says well maybe it was a wasp thing
0: right because that wasp was in here she's got a mark on her neck that probably happened
1: and then and then here crew says but there's a thing on the floor so i don't know are we going to give away the plot now or are we gonna
0: oh let's not spoil it yet okay let's be good we've so, been bad recently okay. so let's let's try to be okay. good let's hold on to it because it will be better it's a, it's okay. a good twist
1: it is a good twist. I mean, it's a good, but but also we we have to start. You and I yeah, are the two plot.
0: worst secret keepers in the world. We'll see how long this goes.
1: <laughs> yeah, but we also i we have I we have rants about the plot holes in her. It's a good plot twist, but also there are some holes. There are some holes, but anyway. So Poirot is like, "Hey, there's a thing on the ground," and then they look, and it's a blow dart, as in like Indiana Jones blow dart. <laughs> through a pipe blow dart like what the hell and so they pick up the blow dart and it has like bee colors
0: on the blow dart somehow right that, uh, that, like little, like little ribbons tied on it or whatever
1: and then um and then so they're like oh my gosh we should all sit down because we're about to land in england so then they won't let anybody leave the plane for a while and that's when jane finally has the courage to talk to norman Because it's like a different thing.
0: Right, so Norman is the guy who's sitting across from her who she was all attracted to, who had given her 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 winnings. And And is a dentist, yeah. Yeah. Norman Gale is his name, right?
1: Yeah, Gale. And then, um, while we're on the flight, there's a couple of important points. So, only two people, only three people got up besides the stewards, right? The detective uh writer i mean the mystery writer dude got up up, went went back to his luggage and he went to go get um train scheduled because he was working on an alibi for his story um lady horbury who was the new money coke head uh (laughs) she she (laughs) didn't she jagged she got a jagged nail and so she called her maid from the other cabin to go get her dressing case that had like a file in it and i'm thinking what you don't have a nail file in your purse but whatever uh so the maid walked to the back where the luggage was and got the nail file and came back and then um wait why did she have to have a nail file in her purse
0: well i don't know i i guess i, I are you that that's, woman that's so guess, prepared you always have your nail file everywhere
1: I mean, I I have it in my purse. (laughs) Do you really?
0: Yes. (laughs) You are such a grown-up. You have a nail file in your purse.
1: Well, have you ever been out and about and you accidentally snag a nail? It's nice to have a
0: file. I think you've just peak adulted. I'm so impressed. I would like to (laughs) pause for a moment. This segment is brought to you by um, a website, that uh, is entitled Yellow Stripey Things, a comprehensive guide to (laughs) Yellow Stripey Things. So they have included many different types of bees. Um, And the thing I think that I was referring to with the hanging down scary phallic things is called a dirt dauber. (laughs) Um, And it almost never stings anything except for spiders.
1: That has a hanging down leggy
0: thing that looks super scary. Um, but
1: i thought we were done talking about and now you were
0: well i couldn't give it up i had i had i'm a gemini i had i had to research it so yeah so i think that that super you got long legs thing is not a wasp i think a wasp looks more like what we think of as a bee but not a honeybee or a bumblebee. a wasp that looks more like a, a, a bee just like you know your average good looking standard bee kind of guy
1: so the question is, would you have freaked out and run around the yes, plane? Yes, still.
0: Okay. Yes, but le- but this, but it's not this dirt dauber, which apparently, like many scary-looking bugs, is is not an enemy. Um, and according to a comprehensive guide to yellow stripy things, it is the coolest looking of the wasps. <laughs> so maybe wasps is take. just like a general term. Uh Okay, this is the end of the wasp segment, and I will let this go now. Um, let, I'm gonna it go. let it go yes I'm going to close that window and um go back to our our main document and just know that people okay. were a regular amount of concerned about this wasp being in the plane. No one you know broke Free into debt. the cockpit for that for that reason yeah,
1: <laughs> which yeah, I could see happening. So, um, yeah, so the, um, so it's a blow dart. Hmm. Oh, yeah, Right, yeah. so back oh, we to that. So Prokero so finds the, the a
0: thorn from a blow dart on the ground.
1: And then, oh, but I was saying the people who got up. Oh. It was the detective oh, right, 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 right. writer, the maid got up, and then, um, the dentist got up. And he went to the bathroom, yeah. which is the other direction. The maid cr- And, and so the where- maid,
0: um... Moved through, but it was very early in the flight. Right, and then um, the writer got up once, and
1: then yeah, and then later the the um, the dentist got up, and he didn't go towards the back, which is where the lady who was killed. He went to the bathroom, which is in the right. middle. Um. So then they so the lady in the who was killed is in the very back. She was in a row by herself. Um. And then, well across from her, and where the other you know is like a pile of luggage, uh, which is why there were two people who walked by her. And then, of course, the stewards had walked up and down.:
0: right, so there's two stewards,:
1: yeah, an older and a younger man, both British, because, yeah, as I said, everybody's British, except for the two archaeologists. and Praro and Praro.
0: Yeah, Although And, and the the murdered woman was French.
1: Oh yeah, she was yeah. French. That's right. The Madame mur- Giselle. Madame Giselle, which then wasn't her real name. That was her work name because apparently she was a money lender to the rich and famous. No, but wasn't that
0: her name that was just like her using her
1: first name? No. Her...
0: What was her real
1: name? What was her- oh I thought it was
0: just referring her to her by her last name or her first name. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, no, I can't remember. So now, what they-, they land and they're like, nobody goes anywhere. And Miss New Money is like, do you know who I am? I'm the Countess of blah, de blah, and I'm super on coke. Lady Hor- Lady Harbury, Lady Harbury oh, yeah. is like, I'm Lady Harbury, and you can't make me stay here. Plus, I need some more coke. And she's trying to like. Throw her title around, um, and they're like, "But ma'am, there's a bit of murder, so you got to hold on." So they interview everyone, and then you know, Praro pops up, and of course, everybody knows him. it's like, "Oh, it's Praro!" You know, all the police.
1: Right, right, and then they um, hold a pretty. They hold a um,
0: what you call inquest. But before the inquest so before they release everyone pra says i think Jab shows up yeah and shows up. before they release everyone they're like um you know interviewing people searching the plane and Proro was like I need an inventory list of what's in everybody's pocket and handbook oh yeah and yeah, yeah, yeah. Jab's like you are so dramatic dude you're so dramatic just Drama with you, and then he's like, "Yeah, but I still want it." And then, as they're searching the plane, they find this blow dart gun, or I guess it's the dart part. You know, it's the 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 blow part, and <laughs> it was actually <laughs> stuck behind Praro's seat. And he's like, "Ha ha, that's great." So it's actually stuck behind his seat. No fingerprints on it, but and then um, Jabs like, "Ha ha." That's how they blew the dart with this blow dart thing. And, and that, and the list
1: of stuff that they find when they do the search is really made me think, Oh my gosh, these guys, these people have huge pockets.
0: (laughs) Go ahead. I think you have it in front of you.
1: Well, I had, Oh, by the way, her real name was Marie Morris.
0: Okay. You're right. So it wasn't Giselle. Um. Oh, dang it. Where did I find it? I had it a second ago. But you're right. So the, so even though they find the blow dart and Jap is like, okay, so we know what the, the thing, the weapon is, um, is like, no, I still want an inventory list of everything in everybody's pockets and bags. And Jap right, is like, yeah. You're so dramatic, but fine, we'll do it. Right. So, like,
1: yeah, they have so many things in his pockets. James Ryder, who's this businessman, linen handkerchief. Uh seven one pound notes, three business cards. letter from his partner. another letter cheap paper. this also could oh, be yeah,
0: like in like uh, your carry
1: on no, this is just in his pockets. <laughs> silver cigarette case, match folder, fountain pen, bunch of keys but you know they're wearing pants change.
0: and then they're wearing a jacket with pockets. It probably has like multiple pockets fair. in the jacket yeah, fair um yeah so then
1: yeah but anyway but yeah they have a lot of stuff everybody and they they
0: go through this list and at first sort of the book leads you to think that maybe the blow dart is a red herring as it were that someone used something else to bring to their mouth so that you're looking at the flute that the doctor had you're looking at Something else that is in the pocket that could be something else that someone would bring to their mouth to make it look like they were blowing the dart. And so the police dynamics are also interesting because it's a collabo between Scotland Yard and Jap and then the French um, detectives. And there is a French detective who admires Praro. So before we've had Praro with a French detective who was like, you're old and I'm new and yeah. And they right. and they him they, they too. Kinda, They're
1: like, oh yeah. Yeah, they kind of shade yeah. him.
0: But the the French detective who is involved in this case admires Praro. And so he kind of mentors him. And it's kind of nice to see because normally Praro was just a dick to people he's mentoring, you know, i.e. Hastings. But like oh, I
1: didn't think about in that, this case, yeah. he's
0: like, you're right. And what's the next step? You're right. And how do you, what do you think of next? And the, and the guy is like this and that and this and that, and he's kind of mentoring him and he's walking him down the correct path. And so it was nice to see Praro and maybe it's cause he's French <laughs> that he, you know, respected him enough to do that, or right. he was just smart enough, but you could see him sort of like, you're right. You're on the right path of that. What's the next step? What should you think of next? And they kind of emphasized, I thought, in this one, praro 's age more, like that he was super elderly in this, um, and right because he was an old guy on the plane. He's right. He and yeah. so he's mentoring this younger French guy, and Jap keeps being like, "Oh, Prower, you're so dramatic. You want all this information that you're making it more complicated," but then, um when they when they refer to Praro, he's not doing the bully thing that he sometimes does with hastings or other people he's kind of serving as a mentor to this this french detective which was cool yeah yeah i know i hadn't thought about that but i think you're right yeah um so yeah yeah, so there's because it was less
1: of there was less of him being mysterious the whole time and more of him there was still a little bit of that of him going, I see something, but maybe it's wrong. So I won't I say anything yet.
0: This was the perfect balance of that, where he was like, I have an idea, but I'm not going to say it yet because I'm not sure. But then that doesn't go on for a year and the murderer gets away with it. <laughs> but Right, right. He's like, I have an idea, but I don't want to taint your where you're going with this Jap or to the French detective, right? And he, and it, that actually seemed mm-hmm. earnest in this case. Like, I, I have this idea, but I could be wrong, right, so right. I'm not going to say it out loud. Um, yeah. And it seemed like, and then when it clicked for him, it clicked and the delay seemed realistic. Whereas the other ones where you're like, right. why did this take you so long? Right. I thought right. it so hit a like, sweet spot with him, like doing his sit back and think thing. And it made sense and you weren't frustrated with him and he wasn't being a dick about it. And so, yeah. Because we get to
1: see a lot of what's going on in his head when he's working with the two detectives because they um, the moneylender had uh, just had her all her records destroyed. um, And so they couldn't know if
0: there was anybody who owed her money. So the big deal with the woman who died Madame Giselle was that she was a mm-hmm. money lender and her thing was she lent money to the powerful and connected people and when they wouldn't pay up she had sources dirt who had looked up right who had looked up dirt on them and so she's like oh that's too bad you can't pay up i know about your affair with so and so i know about this shady business deal whatever it is so she made people pay. She never blackmailed people just out of the blue. But if you owed her money, she would use the information she had to get you to pay up. So her being the person who died was like, okay, a lot of people, she's the enemy of a lot of people because she knew secrets of everybody who was powerful and connected. But so then go ahead. And then then her, her maid burned all the stuff.
1: Right, right. And, um, and so the only thing they found was a book that just had initials, not even the real initials, but like a code and then like
0: what she had on them um, or something right. about it was a, like Right, yeah, it was a coded little black book that they found that the maid didn't burn. And that was another chance where you actually saw Praro work in a nuanced way because we went there to the house with the detective and Praro and the detective and the, the the maid are sort of like at odds. So the detective leaves and Prower is like, look, I'm not with the police. You can tell me things you can't tell them. You know something more. There's more information. So the, the maid actually says, yeah, I did burn her papers. Like she told me to, if she ever died to burn all the papers, but her little black book normally would have been with her, but she couldn't find it and it's here. And she, and Prower kind of nuances her, to give him the little black book that has all these codes in it like you know you know three dots means cheating with your third cousin or whatever it is whatever it is yeah
1: yeah um, don't panic i'm telling you not to panic again cuz i'm getting up we're to get just getting up
0: we're going to be okay um in the video in the video, you can just yeah, in the video the sushi is um on the back of the chair so that's keeping me calm right now that's helping
1: <laughs> so uh we got the book from the maid um and so they're looking at who possibly could be on the list who borrowed th- uh, money from her and some of them are just like english bad loan or whatever um right but there is one that says peeress or peer you know whenever you know uh lady and affair or something like that and they're like oh that's probably lady horbury Everybody thinks it's her. Wait, says what? Perez, P-E-R-E-S-S. Oh, okay. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember exactly. But anyway, um, so they're busy trying to find out, um, you know, who, uh, who, who might have had a motive because they owed her money and they are, were about to be ruined because they couldn't pay her back. Lady Horbury definitely being a possibility because she's definitely the kind of person who had a bunch of money and then spent it on gambling. And we
0: find out about Lady Horbury is that in the meantime, when she gets released from the flight with the police, she goes home and her husband's like, what are you doing here? We're basically separated. You don't come here. You hate this country home. I should have never married you. You're again, kind of to your point, um, In the in the last book, like, what does this woman look like? Because they keep being like, she's so gorgeous that any man would lose his his head for her. And he's like, basically, like, why why did I marry this woman? Because you know he wants to live a you know uptight English country house lifestyle, and she is
1: don't forget with horses with
0: horses, horses all the horses and. She doesn't want to do those things, you know. She wants to party, and she's a party girl. And basically, they've been functionally separated. They didn't really have a term for that. Um, but after the murder thing happens, she shows up and is like staying at their country home. And he's like, "What are you doing here? You hate me. I hate you. We both know this. What's happening here? Like, I you're cared for. You have an allowance. Why are you here?" But she's basically hiding out. And because we'd heard, her inner monologue on the plane was like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? You know, I think she was out of money and in debt to this woman. And we find out that she's probably having an affair with this other man. An actor. Yeah. She could lose her salary basically from her husband if this all came out. So we understand that she's in a marriage, but it's a loveless marriage. Her husband was basically like swept up by her beauty and like all the scenes talk about how distractingly beautiful she is but but also, really she's a bitch
1: like and so you really like oh
0: yeah she's a huge bitch and her frenemy not violet what is it venetia mm-hmm. venetia venetia Kerr,
1: or something like that
0: venetia he should have married venetia clearly he's horsey she's horsey They like country homes, like they're of the same stock and class and all those things. And they
1: run into each other in like the neighborhood because they clearly have estates that are close to each other. And he says in the most British way, if I were free, would you marry me? And he, she's like, yeah, I guess I would in the most, like, uh, let's express no emotions at all, but also like, I, right in, in in Brit in British that means I love you madly,
0: right? And they clearly like always had a thing for each other, but then he got distracted by this beautiful young actress who was so gorgeous and you know distracted him. And so, it, the you know it seemed like the the tale of the story is that they should have always been together,
1: and, but they he... they never because you know sometimes like Agatha Christie tries to make everybody could be guilty. She never says that Venetia could be guilty, right? You're right. She,
0: you know, like she's always been. Uh... Yeah, because no, Venetia doesn't seem to have anything blackmailable. They don't even hint to that, even that could have been a thing. She's I mean, basically, she... yeah, you're right. She's blameless in this.
1: So, uh, so there's you know um one of the questions is that and i keep looking at who might have owed the woman uh, money but the other question is is that she had a fortune right she was super rich from being this money lender and i looked it up and she had basically seven million dollars in now time money
0: and if, yeah, if you're trusting Porsche's calculations, I feel like we're pretty sketchy in our calculations, but if you did it previous to starting your boxed wine, then I trust you.
1: Oh no, no, I did like <laughs> several yeah, days ago. At least sure we're like, carry the you one. Know,
0: <laughs> Either way. Know, it's a, first it's, I
1: looked up um, Frank's to, um dollars in 1935. And then I looked up 1935 dollars to now. Okay. And, and so seven million dollars seven million dollars which is definitely a motive right so who would inherit it so it turns out that excuse me she had a english husband maybe um but who left her probably after she got smallpox because then she was ugly because smallpox scars the face and which is one of it was the first vaccine that was ever invented. I've done a lot of research on the history of vaccines
0: for, you know, reasons. No particular um, reason. No <laughs> particular reason.
1: Um, but uh,
0: I was just having that conversation where this is an aside.
1: Uh-huh, I'll
0: Most it. things that are interesting are paradoxical or complex. So, it can be true that big pharma is terrible and evil and we should all get the vaccine. Yeah. <laughs> things can be true. <laughs> yep. Both
1: things can be true.
0: Both things can be true. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: But it's and, interesting. And the more you research it, you're like, this industry is terrible and we should all get the vaccine.
1: Both of those things are true. The history of vaccines is fascinating. It is. Public health and, is fascinating. Yeah, and the way that they figured out the way we the reason we call them vaccines, did I tell you this? Yeah, the Baca thing. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. I think it's fascinating. But anyway, I don't, know so, if you, I don't remember if you told the podcast
0: do you want to you want to so, repeat the yeah, Baca thing. So
1: smallpox was you know killed lots of people, and and then the people he didn't kill gave scars. He,
0: he wasn't a person. He was a, he was
1: a <laughs> it, disease. <laughs> it gave scars to it. But anyway but they figured out that when people got cowpox so cowpox was a different disease that had similar bumps we're talking the 1700s it was um so people who would get um who worked with cows and would get cowpox on their hands because they were um, working with cows like milking them they would been then immune to getting smallpox because they had had cowpox So then they thought,
0: well, what if we give people cowpox on purpose? So that they don't get smallpox. So they don't get smallpox. Because cowpox sucks, but it doesn't kill you. Right. And um,
1: so they tried doing it on purpose and it worked. And so before they had been trying to give people uh, smallpox on purpose, but like a mild case to hold off because it was so bad. They had been doing that for um, hundreds of years. But then they were like, what if we did cowpox on purpose? And that would be a way to make sure that you couldn't get ever get smallpox. So because of the Latin word for cow is vaca, they called it getting a vaccination. And that's why we call it all vaccination, even though no other disease does it have to do with cows at all. Fascinating. So, fascinating stuff. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, so... Uh, what was I going with this? Where was I when I talked about the? I was doing
0: research. <laughs> All right. So, oh yeah, yeah. So, so, lady, so, the woman, had, the woman, the woman, as a pucks. young woman, had a maybe British husband. It's sketchy to look up her history. Who and she
1: got smallpox. Who left her? Yeah. With a so she baby. got
0: smallpox. Husband left her. So she um, gave up her baby to an orphanage in. Canada,
1: I think in French Canada,
0: yeah. Um, so basically, she has a daughter who stands to with- inherit all her fortune, but a daughter that she did not raise, and who yeah, I guess she she does yeah. not know her. She sent sort of letters to the caretakers to like stay in touch and like send was money over the years, in, but the the girl was not. Quebec, I think. Oh yeah, that's right the The girl was not raised to be wealthy as she was growing up. She got checks here and there, but was generally working class so she stands to inherit all this money, but she has not been you know a a, a personal privilege growing up
1: and so this is one of the other so we see Poirot's kind of behind the scenes thoughts on a couple of the things: one was who could have had a motive because they owed Giselle many, but then the other one, who could be. Her daughter, and could any of them been a want girl who was brought up in a Quebecois, Quebec, que,
0: Quebecan, que, Quebec? Anyway, all those are wrong. Orphanage. I don't know the right <laughs> answer, but I'm sure. But <laughs> quotient. I but, think is the right quotient.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but had been brought up in an orphanage, in and so there were a lot of women who were in their mid twenties, which would have been the right age. Jane Grey being one. Lady Horbury being one. Vanusha right, Kerr being one.
0: And that what was fun because we had started the book with Jane Grey. We're identifying with her and then we find out that she grew up like in foster care and so we're like
2: oh,
0: what if she's the heiress and she didn't even know she was the heiress. Um, a resident or native of Quebec Quebec, is referred to yes. in English as a Quebecer or Quebecer depending on the, so the same but mm-hmm. spelling. Quebecer would be Quebeker. in, in, in French. And then there's a French word. But I was word. trying
1: to say Quebecan orphanage. What is Quebecan?
0: Oh, what is the adjective to be in Quebec? Yeah. What is it? Is it? Uh, oh, man, we're getting into French pronunciation. I shouldn't have gone is down this. Is it
1: Quebecian? This.
0: Is it Quebecian? I mean. Que... Oh, man. Quebecois?
1: See, that's what I said, and you said it was wrong. You okay. wait,
0: say it again. Quebecois. Oh no, that sounds right. I don't know. I just like to <laughs> criticize with things that you say, and then say them myself, okay. and then say it's right when I say it.
1: That is, that is, <laughs> that a, is our dynamic.
0: That is, that is our dynamic
1: <laughs> for decades. And then when our husband got around,
0: only since I was born. <laughs> You had five whole years of being fine, so I don't want to hear and you. And then
1: when our cousins got around, everyone would say it.
0: Okay, anyway, <laughs> so make
1: fun of me. We
0: um, growing up, Portia was the oldest, and so the rest of us were closer in age. And Portia knew more than us, so all we had to do was bully her. Of course, <laughs> be like Portia, you don't right. get it. It's not you don't get it. Quebecois, cool. it's Quebecois. You said it all <laughs> wrong. <laughs>
1: exactly you
0: just ah
1: and in case you're wondering that does still go on just now as adults even now even
0: though we're all in our 40s
1: (laughs) the last time we were all together it happened it always does yeah so in case we're like do do the does everyone can't gang up on Porsche?
0: yes yes it does but it's with love (laughs) oh we sound like bullies yeah, it's okay. Oh. It's okay. All right, I want I'm um, going to play the tape back. It's not a tape that happened to me when I was teaching today, and I kept saying "videotape," and I was like, "Not a tape. There's no tape <laughs> involved here." But I'm going to play the. I'm going to play the recording back and see if you really said the same thing that I said, and if I'm a bully or or not. And the the answer is probably going to be that I'm a bully. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I do like play the tape back. Well, it's kind of like how the. The save symbol on computers. Right, a is, is, is a disc. As if we're saving onto a disc. Yeah. Where people are like, yeah, if you're a certain age, you're like, it's just a picture of this weird save
0: thing. What the heck does that <laughs> What mean? does that even mean? What does that icon even go <laughs> yeah. All right, Bobby got a sandwich. <laughs> Bobby got a sandwich. Let's
1: get back to sandwich. Okay. So yeah, Lady Horbury does some more
0: Coke. That's to,
1: that's this <laughs> one. <surreal>. Yeah.
0: <laughs> this episode's Bobby got a sandwiches. Lady Horbury did Coke. <laughs> <laughs> well, things have really spiraled in Agatha Christie Land. <laughs> <laughs> we went from sandwiches to coke real fast, and we only took a couple of novels for us to go from sandwiches to coke.
1: <laughs> okay, wait, but
0: seriously, Bobby got a sandwich. Where were we?
1: <laughs> we were talking about how Perot was trying to
0: find out if any of these women. Oh, right. So, could anyone then- on the plane, Jane? Gray or any of the other women be the secret heiress to the woman who died because obviously that's who would benefit from her death or any of the young men be secretly married to that daughter,
1: and so he goes in a way that you don't realize till later, but kind of not. We don't have to wait till the very end where he like goes to the Stuarts and find out who
0: they're involved with. Oh yeah, he goes, and, and we did because our we kind of start off the book. Identifying with Jean Gray. Jane Gray. Jane? Jane? She always goes with the name Jane. What's her deal with Jane? Like Miss Marble's name is Jane and there'll be like multiple characters named Jane. She must have a close oh, yeah. relative who she loves. Maybe her sister's name is Jane or something. Because she always names everyone Jane. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah. we identify with Jane Grey. And we know she grew up in foster care. So you're like, maybe she's a secret heiress. That would be awesome slash terrible. Because maybe they're going to think that she killed her. Maybe she did kill her. Maybe they're lying to me again. You go through the whole range of right. emotions with Jane Grey. Right. Um, but it, that doesn't turn out to be the answer.
1: And then, um, like, uh, horsey old money
0: lady horsey is definitely... In terms of the animal, not the face shape.
1: <laughs> uh, she definitely has all of her antecedents because she's the kind of English lady that has all of her antecedents, like, you know, listed on her forehead. <laughs> um, and then um, she... Uh, and then Lady Horbury has a stage name.
0: Right, because she so was an actress prior to hustling her way into being a lady. So we're wondering about her.
1: But none of them, but we're not really sure. We're still looking at that. And then um, then there's also who is doing well after the murder and who isn't. Right, who benefits and from so the murder. A, so the detective writer is writing a book about it. Um, the businessman sold his story to the newspapers and made some money from it. Um, The doctor didn't seem to be very affected by it. Well, he, he,
0: the doctor retired and is going off to play the flute and marry one of his patients or help her get a divorce.
1: Yeah, but But that didn't
0: seem to be about the murder. That seemed to be just like he was on a path.
1: Right. And then the dentist started losing patience. Right, because people
0: were like, dentists are already scary and sketchy. Right, Little Shop of Horrors doesn't exist yet, but we're still already of, scared of dentists. Like right, right. Dennis, that's why Little Shop of Horrors will come out in the future is because dentists are scary and seem like sadists. So if you're associated right. with a murder, we're definitely not coming here to get our teeth done. So he's losing right. patience.
1: But Jane is making buttloads of money because all the rich ladies are like, "Ooh, you were my hairdresser's assistant."
0: Was on the plane with the person died and blah 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 so they like want to come to her and, and get lady their hair horbury done
1: and, Verde- and lady horbury and verdisha Verde- kerr were on that flight and they were both big like
0: society women you know. and what's fascinating is it's a study in salary negotiations i recommend that you actually read the passages where jane gray goes to her employer and he's like mm. you're looking i'm keeping you on even though you're tied up with this murder and she's like I'm bringing in more business than ever. And she salary negotiates and bluffs in the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And she gets a much higher pay. And I was like, that's how you do it. I'm watching YouTube right now trying to get that, that confidence and that right. ability to, to speak to what I, what I should be paid. And so it's actually interesting to watch her maturity in that and the way she's able to be like, no, this actually gives me more value for your business and I'm not going to be bullied out of it. Because it's easy for women and other people to be bullied out of by a business owner,
1: right? Right. So yeah. So we there is a little bit talk
0: about who immediately benefits,
1: but from clearly, like the murder, the
0: hairdresser's assistant getting more clients booked is not a, a motivation for murder. And if right, she's not the right. secret heiress, oh, you what- don't think it's her.
1: And we forgot to say that um, Jane and Norman start dating, like dating, dating. Right.
0: So what happens is, you know, he's she's not looking at him on the flight and all this happens. Then the murder happens and then it gives them more to banter about. And so they basically, yeah, they start sort of going out and hanging out. It's all very innocent, but he's clearly pursuing her and she doesn't seem swept off her feet or anything but she's interested and we knew from the beginning that she was interested
1: and then and so you know that one song from frozen <laughs> i where, don't know what you're talking about but uh, i'm
0: excited to see where this is going
1: where they sing about everything that they have in oh, common oh with the
0: guy who turns out to be the villain foreshadowing we weren't going to spoil so it but it is fun foreshadowing
1: Yeah, but there is a scene with her and Norman where they're like, oh my gosh, is it possible for two people
0: to agree on so many things? I forgot about that scene. We finish each other's sandwiches. That's what I was going (laughs) to (laughs) say. Way to bring in Frozen. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yes. Yeah, good point. So, yeah, so he's pursuing her. And then what's interesting is like you're watching this dynamic with the two of them and we saw it from the beginning we knew that it started in the french riviera and then now Praro is dating with them like they're hanging out and Praro keeps showing up and being like hey jane i need you to pretend to be my secretary because we have to interview people and you're now you're my new fake secretary and to uh you know Mr. Gale, they don't call him Doctor Gale. I guess in that in that society, dentists yeah. were not doctors. Yeah, but to Mr. Right. Gale, they're like that. he's like I need you to pretend to blackmail Lady Harbury because you're helping me, and I have to go into this fake costume and stuff. So like, as they're wooing and dating, Praro keeps being up in the mix, like he's on like every other date. <laughs> right,
1: right. Um, well, one of them is like they see mr clancy the uh mystery writer and they're like "Ooh, we should shadow him just for fun and i remember there was a scene where because norman goes like i thought we were gonna go to the flicks and she's like no let's shadow the guy and i thought it was such a funny where he's like we were gonna go to the movies and she's like no let's you know do real detective work and then they shadow him and he kind of wanders all over the place and they're like what is it he's being so suspicious and then he like goes into his house and he was probably it turns out he was kind of wandering around looking for ideas uh for his books and then poro shows up as you said because he's been showing up to their dates and he's like well how about i go in an interview and jane you pretend to be my secretary right and then it just takes and off it's from there cute. and it's cute and then we realize that he's a messy dude they talk about how messy he is um And then, um, yeah, and then he has uh, Norman be a blackmailer going to Lady Horbury saying that he's got the records of borrowing money from Madame Giselle. And um, so he does that and they kind of get
0: confirmation that
1: she was borrowing money.
0: Right. So, yeah, so he gets, they're, they're investigating and the two of them are helping Praro investigate.
1: And then um, an interesting thing happens where he says to her, Poirot says to Jane, sorry, I have to clarify which he and which her, hey, I can offer you a job of helping me on stuff um, and flying to um, Paris so I can do more of the investigation. And she's like, I've got a job. I'm fine. And then... Like, two days after that, she blows up at her employer.
0: (laughs) Right. Because she's sick of it. Even though she negotiated a higher salary, she's also sick of... These rich ladies who are, you know, asking her to go through the whole, like, drama of what happened with the plane. Like, she's, she's playing this role. She's appeasing these people. And she's sick of it. So, she has this, did like...
1: It, did it sound like the rich ladies bring their Pekingese to her Yeah, seriously.
0: Like, it just it just sounded intolerable. And she's at the end of her rope. And she just can't anymore. And she's just, like... Fuck you, fuck them, <laughs> fuck everyone. Right, but just she, she doesn't say and any of those because f words.
1: Said, I'm, right, she doesn't because yeah, but <laughs> maybe because Poirot said, "Hey, I've got a job for you." So they go to Paris and they meet up with the archaeologist, which she had already met the the son of the archaeologist randomly, and he was charming and fun. And asked her out, but she was going out with Norman that night, so they didn't go out. But then um, they hang out with the archaeologist in Paris, and so he, she's charming and fun again to them. Well,
0: and that whole thing, so Praro tells the archaeologist that he's going to donate to their a bunch of money to their dig if they take her on as a secretary and says that she has this interest in ancient ruins or whatever that she doesn't have yet. <laughs> and he's like, BT right. you're super into vases, circa, BC whatever, look it up, go to the library, because right. um, I'm faking out to them that I'm going to donate all this money so that you can go along. So basically he's selling to her that she's playing this role um, to be an archaeologist's assistant to them. And then he's saying to them, like, um, you know, do me a favor, take her on your dig, but because she's into it, but I'm going to give you all this money that's going to help with your stuff. Right. And, so, and then he's, he's, um, and he's she, making it seem to her as if he's doing that to get information from them.
1: Right, right. And then while they're in Paris, the daughter, the daughter shows up.
0: So the daughter of the killed woman who is, will be the person who inherits all this $7 million. And so
1: she, um, Perot meets her, Jane doesn't. um, And with the inspector in Paris and she's like, she's married. She has a American or Canadian husband because apparently
0: Right, literally the, the book isn't sure. Ah. They're like he's American and or Canadian, it's fine, doesn't matter.
1: <laughs> and um and she's had a bunch of jobs including worked as a maid, which is important, and, and a then, shop girl
0: um, and yeah.
1: Right, right. And so but she said she didn't really know who her mother was and what the name was until the orphanage contacted her and said hey you know that woman who was killed that was your okay mom? so
0: i don't know if we're still not spoiling but i have questions about this so let's get through the spoiling and then we'll come back to
1: okay we because yeah there are questions so then um paro goes back to talk to jane about it and he's like do to do, do we met her." Our- i'd always wondered if one of you guys might have been her but now we know right and so like
0: for me as a reader this time Uh, i'm uh, like it's a fake it's a fake it's a fake but it was real she was the daughter and that was not the twist
1: jags did something to her nail and she looks down and goes oh man i need a nail file and poro's like a nail file." file She was Lady Horbury's maid. I've seen her before. She was on the plane. And he had said before, he had said
0: before, like, I recognize her, but I can't place her. And I think that is valid because I do think, I think it's a, a statement on classism, which is valid even to today. That if I see someone, right. In a service role, if I see that person in upper-class role, I might not recognize them again. And I might be like, right. huh, they remind me of someone. You know, but like yeah, when I know, see yeah. your friend Catherine and I say, she looks like Beyonce, and no one believes me, even though I'm completely she correct. She does. And People she don't does. believe she me. Does.
1: She does look like Beyoncé. <laughs> she looks like Beyoncé. I know I, you're right. She does look like Beyoncé. I think Beyoncé
0: has bigger eyes. Yes, but because they're in Beyonce different roles, pretty. sometimes you right. don't see it. So I would have clearly seen it because I have the ability to, cra- to, cla- to cross these barriers <laughs> from pop star <laughs> to, to like Porsches, friend Catherine. <laughs>
1: oh god when i was a server um in seat server at the rose garden during blazer games i was at the grocery store and somebody was like oh hey and it was somebody i had served in the seats and they recognized me
0: oh Oh, that's awkward
1: and then and i was like but when I'm serving people in the seats and they're like, hey, and I'm just like, oh, what would you like? Would you like any beers with that? You know, this is I, I don't think
0: I noticed. Oh, faces. it's so hard. That happened to I me. Mean- I get I have I don't have as much service um, experience as you have. But, you know, my friend had that restaurant that was a tea shop that sometimes was a bar when I would bartend. Because uh-huh. I'm a sucker. <laughs> No. But when I so when I would bartend, people would come back and be like, "Double gunsing me!" Like you remember what I used to get last month or what I got last round? And I'd be like, "You are a human male, um, <laughs> five foot seven to five, you know, to six foot one. Please, please specify yeah, the beverage like, that you would like. <laughs> I do not register you, yes. <laughs> and especially because, um, and it, I don't know how much of this has to do with, you know, the specific type of autism that I have or my being a lesbian or whatever it is but i'm just like i got nothing i can make you know i can i can guess based on what people are ordering tonight a lot of people are into crown royal if that's what, what you're getting but i do not remember you or your drink and but they like it's funny because people sort of because again there's and again, i'm sure people who actually bartend on a regular basis go through this on a regular basis but like the, there's one or well, two bartenders, so you remember them. But there's a crowd of people, and then, there's 50 and then people you're serving, you're not yeah. drinking, but they are. So they think they're hilarious and funny and unique, and you're like, "Oh my god, <laughs> everyone's like you're just, you're just like,"
1: <laughs> and you're just trying to go as fast <laughs> as possible. And going, uh-huh, uh-huh, right. and you want this, and you want this. And okay, like, and, bill, and, okay, and you're okay, definitely uh-huh.
0: socially engaging because that's socially appropriate slash tip appropriate, but you're not laying down memories. Like, and, you, and your brain knows this is not important information to retain. This, there will not be a pop quiz on this. There's no reason to retain this information. And so you're just sort of like, uh-huh, what did, what did you want? <laughs> you're going to have to repeat that. And I notice that when people... Right our skilled bartenders who are like, you know, that's their profession. They really are good at that. And you walk up and they're like, call you out on your dumb drink that you order. Like, why do you order red wine at the bar? Cause you have allergies. And you're like, damn it. <laughs> I wanted you not to remember that. Right. At least like, you know, right. but, but, but it's interesting. Cause people do have that expectation And it's interesting. Cause like in that role, like you said, when you're serving people, they remember you because there's only one of you, you're the server. But you're serving a hundred people.
1: <laughs> but would we remember somebody serving somebody else? Which I suppose is the role of the maid, right? Like, unless they were hot. Right? Probably right? not. But anyway, so. But, but yeah, I, so I guess that question because people often talk about like we don't. Well, and I think Chrissy makes that point us. all the
0: time, where she has people dress up into costumes and like says. And I think I think she makes an interesting class point. As much as we criticize her for her race and class issues, I think she makes that point poignantly when she says poignantly. Yeah, yeah we're no, going with yeah, that. We're true. going with poignantly. Oh, okay, it's yeah. <laughs> yeah. an, an adverbal yeah. Except okay, but like where it's like you put on a maid's uniform or a steward's uniform and like all of a sudden you're invisible right which i think is the experience well, of a, it, it, in the reverse experience for what we're talking about bartending it, when you're a busser or whatever often you're invisible when you're a person right. of color in a yeah, in, yeah. in a service role often you're invisible and people don't know one from the other and so right, i think right. that sort of like drawing yeah. on that like once someone's in a service role They're dime a dozen. They don't matter. There's no humanity in them, and I do think there—that's a true thing from now on and before.
1: (laughs) Right, right. And so I do think that she makes that point that,
0: like, when when um you know this this person's in a maid's role, and then the twist that turns out to be how we don't know the murderer is when someone's in a service role. They're just server number seventeen, and we don't pay attention to them. And you know, in our society currently, when there's race in, in that, you know, that's another way of erasing people's individuality in our, in our brains.
1: Right. 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 And she, yeah, she definitely mentions that quite a bit in her stories. Um, and so when they figure out that she was the maid on the flight, then
0: they're like, and you helped me because in the audio book and these names and stuff, and you know, how much attention I give it, I was like, she was the maid to her own mother and didn't know it? What? And you're like, no. She was the maid to the new money rich girl. And it was just a coincidence. Oh, I think I
1: said, I think I said the rich lady well, does yes.
0: coke. But like, that's it. Yes. A... New money rich girl does coke. I'm just saying, but like you clarified to me, she was not the maid to her own mother. Because I was like, was this a super long con? Where she was like, I'm going to be the maid to my mom, but her heiress and like, what? But no. She was the maid. So she was raised in an orphanage and then like brought up to be in service. She got a maid role with this woman who was new money, British lady on coke. And she happened to be on the flight that her bio mom was on, but neither of them knew that. That was just a wild coincidence.
1: Well, yeah, but that was the question, right? Because if she was on the flight where the murder happened, she would have noticed because she was in the other cabin. But they would have been like, "Oh, by the way, somebody died in the other cabin," and she would have noticed. It's not right. Like she Which was my said, question:
0: Did she know that woman was her mother? Did she know what that woman looked like? Did she know that she was coming in to seven million dollars? As she's in these service roles. Because well, to turns, me and as a, you know, turns, like not that all work isn't worship, but if I know I'm I'm coming to seven million dollars, I may be slightly bougier in the work that I take. And like this woman treated her like crap. And if I know that I'm an heiress as soon as mom dies, I might be more uppity than that.
1: So I well, I think she knew
0: <laughs> but, so I mean um, like I you know I always quote Kimmy Schmidt things but it's like she knew but she didn't know no <laughs> like I know I'm coming to money but I don't really right. know I don't know what that means I know I've always been broke I've always had to hustle right. apparently I'm getting money when my mom dies who knows when she's gonna die I don't know really understand who she is I'm an orphan so that makes right. sense because I had that question like does she know who her mom is? Does she understand that she's coming into millions of dollars?
1: But the guy she meets does know. And so now we're going to let's do, do it. the spoiler. The dentist was her husband. Not... I don't think they were the... Was she the husband before no, before or right she, after?
0: No, he marries the her murder. after the murder to lock it up because all, things are starting yeah. starting to spiral.
1: Right. So And he, he marries her in order to be able her to her and...
0: kill her. <laughs> so they...
1: <laughs> Right. Okay. So, so he so, was dating the daughter. Wait, no, but, wait, okay.
0: But the question is the dentist met Anne. Uh-huh. While she was working as the maid to Lady Harbury on vacation. And he figured out somehow who her powerful mother was. Her her powerful birth mother was. How did he figure that out?
1: No, they said that she always knew who her mother was. But as you said, she didn't know. No, she didn't realize how rich her mom was. I think
0: she, so kind she of... knew the name. And so, as she's talking to this charming guy, she's like, Yeah, my mother is supposed to be so and so. But he isn't society enough to know what that name means. Is that what you're saying? Mm
2: hmm. hmm.
0: Okay. So he's like, Oh, you don't know, know what that name means, but I know, know what that name means. So I know when she dies that you'll be rich. So let me marry you. But That's also, what you're
1: saying? right. So he starts courting her, and this might have even been when he was in La Panet. Like he starts courting her. It's ho- how long had had they been going out before he meets Jane? Is- it wasn't a
0: long time, but I think it was a different trip. Okay, maybe not. I my impression, and I could have got it wrong, was that like he established a relationship on a different trip, but maybe not. Maybe it all happened in one wild weekend for him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you're right. Maybe they started going out and then he said, you know, let's. A lot of the
0: landmarks don't mean anything to me because I don't know these terms. So I'm just like, yeah, that's something different. But maybe it was just like, you know, across town on the same trip. So that I'm not sure of, but you're no, right. No, but
1: I think that you're right in the sense that he would have had to make the plan with her to kill her mom.
0: Which but he could've... doesn't make the plan. Like, she doesn't know. She's not in on it. Yeah, she is. No, she's not. Yes, she is. Because otherwise she would have
1: mentioned that she was in the plane.
0: No, because he, he tricked her afterwards when she was in the plane. And she was like, he made it be like, it looks bad for you because someone killed your mom while you were on the plane. Don't tell them the truth. Like, th- this girl did not know that she was accomplice to murder. Really? She thought it would look bad for herself. Oh, okay. That's a this good is a question. good question. For someone who else who has read it recently, we want you to weigh in. We want you to read it and attend to that part. Was Anne in on the murder or not? I think not. I think so, but yeah, wow. I
1: have never thought about it. I thought I she mean, was in on it.
0: That's a big leap to take. Like, he's clearly a sociopath, right? She's like random. Yeah, you're thinking that
1: she wouldn't agree to go along with the murder and then marry him? That's not... You're right. That's not a great way to start the relationship.
0: And I just think that, like, okay, I don't love my birth mother because she gave me up, but also I'm still a regular human who doesn't kill people. Like, I feel like that's a big leap to be like, let's kill your birth mom. And she might be like, oh, or not. Maybe you're just doing this because you want me for my money right right which i he thought was. that and again maybe i'm wrong maybe i didn't read enough but i thought he was like let me get involved with you because i know who your rich mom is and that because like her and then like after she after the mom dies he convinces Anne to marry him and then kills her so right, that he can right. inherit all the money so i feel like if she has any sense at all
1: right right fair she would
0: see that coming so i feel like he was more like i'm in love with you Oh, what? you have a rich mom? I don't know anything about that, and then he plans to kill her on this plane, and then, as we know, it was a happenstance that she's on the plane. She normally wouldn't have been on that plane, but her because Lady mistress
1: Warmery
0: usually has her
1: take a train, not a, the plane with her, which means she would have had to get her own ass up to go walk over and get her nail file, right. <laughs>
0: But hey, um, so I think that Anne was manipulated by him to down to like not tell everyone that she was on the plane and like kind of lies about that because fairly. he convinces her it'll look shady for you. Your mom uh, was okay. killed on this plane, you're okay. the heiress, but we don't know that. And this is all actually Pro-Rose speculation about what he says to her. We right, don't actually right. know because she's dead and he's the murderer right because we don't mention that like after Praro realizes
1: who she is he's like oh my god she's in grave danger and everybody else is like no she's
0: not she's in on it and he's like no she's in grave danger and so once he around. realizes that the the, the and woman who comes forward to claim the money once he realizes that he, she's the maid who was on the plane everyone else is like cool she's the murderer she did it somehow it's done and he's like nope she's about to get killed so that's why I think that she wasn't in on it. Fair. Fair. Yeah. But I don't know. I could be wrong too. I'm uh, very. Don't, don't panic. I'm, I'm
1: left and I'm getting more wine. So Aww. there's no one for you to look at for just. There's, like... the,
0: there's the plant. There's the lush plant. <laughs> there's the lush plant. It's so lush. My plants are jealous.
1: I'm sorry. Oh my gosh. The Easter chocolate and red wine is like this amazing combination of things. <laughs> See, I've gotten
0: gotten spoiled in my chocolate taste. Like, now I don't really love a milk chocolate. It's got to be a dark chocolate.
1: Oh, you think I didn't get dark Easter chocolate?
0: Oh, she's fancy. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And you think this isn't. You think this isn't. Okay, so show uh, me this this Easter chocolate, because I'm imagining, you know, some Hershey eggs. Oh, no, no, no. I got two things. One is Choco Love
1: Dark Chocolate Salted Caramel Filled Eggs.
0: (gasps) Oh, your are G- wait, so dark chocolate, salted caramel filled eggs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I baby. love all of those words. <laughs> Each of those words is a fave. And
1: then I have a bunny, but the bunny is not a hollow bunny. Oh, no, no, no. It is a solid bunny. I didn't know that until I just tried it. And it was a bunny that I put in a kid's Easter basket, but they don't even know that they could eat it, so now I get to.
0: <laughs> the benefits of having toddlers who are just like, what is this dark thing? <laughs> oh my gosh, side note. So... So it's dark chocolate, solid chocolate? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> With she's, the red wine. having this awkward orgasmic moment for her sister to be watching. <laughs>
1: But I got to tell you the story.
0: So, And she just got so, her hair done. She's feeling herself. It's the whole thing. <laughs> I
1: know. I got my hair done by somebody other than my husband. Not that he wasn't fabulous, but he it's didn't go to school experience. for it. So we have the Easter bunny brought eggs. You know, that's as far as we go with the story. We just said it's bunny day and they brought eggs. There you go. This was a week ago. We talked about this. The kids had fun. They're almost two, you know. Today, Chris is reading a story that's talking about the huffy-puffy cloud and the sun, and the huffy-puffy cloud brings the rain, but it helps all the animals grow, including the fish have a place for the eggs. So Annika, my daughter, starts doing her Sound for bunnies, which is sniffing. But anyway, but we know what bunnies do, and she's pointing at the eggs, and doing the bunny sound. And both Chris and I are like, "What? There's no bunnies in this book.
0: We're talking about what?
1: But it's eggs." And Chris was like, "Oh my god, you th- the eggs came from the bunny.
0: We've ruined you. We've ruined <laughs> the science." <laughs> You'll never understand that eggs are in many, many (laughs) species.
1: But, you know, like, it's, you know, like, we're not doing...
0: But, yeah, we don't do holidays for fish eggs or, like, (laughs) you know, human eggs or, you know, all the different eggs there could be. We, We only do a holiday around... Chicken, Chicken eggs, which come from bunnies, right?
1: <laughs> but I just, I ate. So I was impressed with her leap
0: that it was any eggs Your at all. Kids came from bunny. are so smart, but also no, but the is... associations they make, they get it. They're like, right, egg bunny, got it done. <laughs> <laughs> you but got Gemini's, Chris... you got to keep up. You got Gemini babies, that's like
1: how it is. But Chris is like, but this is sci- science, you know, like. So anyway, but uh yeah,
0: so now
1: all eggs come from bunnies right now.
0: Right. Oh god, that's hilarious. Okay, now I have no idea where we were. Where did Bobby get a sandwich from? (laughs) (laughs) Where did Lady Hobbery get a Coke from? Get her Coke from.
1: (laughs) Um, yeah, we forgot to say there is a part where the when uh who turns out to be the bad guy but we don't know it yet goes to be a pretend blackmailer to like say that you know right. he's got so, the records one she's of like the I things... don't know what to do go ahead she don't I don't know what to do I don't know what to do and then she takes a hit of coke and then she's like oh, okay now I can think straight yeah it was it's rough. like yeah okay it's
0: rough. You... it's rough addiction is rough so um so yeah so Praro. Gets he does the police thing where he's like help me with my investigations, and the guy actually falls for it, Mm -hmm. and he's like pretend to blackmail her, which she which he does in earnest. Like Mm I I know what you know the dead woman was asking you know what information she had which he doesn't know, and he does that all just to entrap him just to entrap the killer. Well, and yeah, and then she's just like, "What am I gonna do? What am I gonna do?" Takes a bump. Okay, cool. Whew. Oh, it is called a bump. I forgot <laughs> that. Ooh, that's an '80s reference. I know,
1: right? <laughs> it's an '80s reference. I just watched Rock of Ages again. Oh. Um, uh, so uh, now, although the the Broadway version, which I saw, has a lot more realistic the movie version is a little bit more sanitized so there's no coke in the movie version but that's the kind of thing they would say <laughs> but anyway um so um the the point is so this question about whether ann was in on the murder or not is a very i i that's a valid question i never thought about before but so we our, should go our, back our to- email
0: at pro no podcast at gmail.com <laughs> <laughs> power at gmail.com has been overflowing with the parker pine uh Are fan fan fiction yes I am um but <laughs> you don't know that by the time mm-hmm. I say this it could actually be overflowing you never know these things happen so um you can still submit your parker pine fan fiction Fantasy
2: act- Fantasy, Fantasy Island. Island
0: submission to Proro Podcast. Somehow someone already had praro Pod at gmail.com. So the email is pro podcast at gmail.com. Um and if you have an opinion on if Anne was in on the murder or not, you can submit it to us and give us your argument, maybe submit some quotes where you, you know, can support your argument because Portia and I are not using quotes. We're just like going off our memory late at night with wine um so you probably will win the argument no matter what you make but portia says that Anne was in on the murder of her mother and i say she was not i, th- I think that Anne was a codependent in the situation being manipulated by a sadist who right. was mr gale but she could be right. Maybe Anne was just like, yeah, let's kill my mom. Let's kill bio mom. She sucks. She abandoned, she's an abandoning asshole. Let's do this. Right,
1: right. So they find Anne, like, as, right after Perot realizes that she is the maid, and then he calls Lady Horbury to say, was she supposed to be on the plane? And she says no. And then he's like, oh my god, she's in grave danger. So then they go searching for her, and they find her on a train and she's dead and, and, it's,
0: and it's like suicide She it's set up suicide-y. to be like she's got a bottle in her hand of whatever poison that she's right. supposed to have taken of her own volition
1: so then it's like what's happening
0: so they jane and that's and when Carl- i started to suspect mr gale because he says to jane huh now that that Anne woman who i've never met at all seems to have killed herself because she had such um, you know had a fit of conscience from killing her mother I guess they won't look into who the murderer is anymore shrugs and then you can oh, hear really? the theme song that's play funny. and I was like huh that's a weird thing for him to say <laughs> so that's when I started to think that like, ah, really? doesn't oh, that's seem funny. right he, like, the way he said it like I guess they're gonna stop all investigations now that she's good and killed. Well, I was like, that's weird. No one says that ever. So I, um,
1: I was just realizing I put folded down the corners on a couple of pages where
0: I liked quotes. Speaking of quotes, it made me think of it. I like this when you do this. I love this when you do a a folded down page corner quote.
1: Well, one of them was about her making fun of archaeologists.
0: Let's do because it because they
1: were like the excuse me, this is where they were like thinking that the archaeologists were um, suspicious because, because they were foreign like, or they also like how come they didn't see anything because they were in the seats that were closest to the back. Right. And Pro says you are not perhaps acquainted with many archaeologists. If these two were having a really absorbing discussion at some point in at issue it'd been. My friend, their concentration would be such that they would be quite blind and deaf to the outside world. They would be existing you see in five thousand or so b c nineteen hundred and thirty four a d would have been non existent for them so um
0: yeah and i didn't i wasn't even thinking of that when I read that of or heard that. A shade for her archaeologist husband. Well, that's hilarious oh, really? to think about it. Yeah, I forgot that you told me that 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 was her real life situation. So it's funny to think about the fact that she's like commenting on like, yeah, well my husband's caught up with so and so talking about whatever totally face, fold- vases or whatever.
1: I folded over another page and now I can't find it. Huh. Well, anyway, you can't find um- the fold. Yeah, I guess I can't find the fold. I just know. So okay. Oh <laughs> wait, gonna, but it's a fold.
0: You should be able to see your folds.
1: I know, I know, I swear. Okay, but maybe I didn't do another fold. <laughs> maybe I just thought about doing another
0: fold. So
1: anyway, don't do folds back.
0: Return your books, pristine, to the library. Don't fold pages. At least fold pages. I always fold
1: pages. I've had this book since clearly nineteen eighty four. Okay, or maybe
0: I'm there's no library. Um, okay of yeah, your so, children, which one do you think or both or neither will inherit your interest in detective mysteries? Sky. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You knew that off the to top.
0: Really, Even though I loves- was the one that pulled them all off the shelf and like, you know.
1: Yeah, but she pulled off the shelf and then started ripping off the
0: covers. <laughs> it wasn't exactly like <laughs>
1: Um, some people are like fuck
0: them kids fuck them books they take mommy's attention away from me (laughs) she is
1: a let's do something physical let's climb let's run let's stretch that's she is very physical and i want her to be dancing right now right now but skylar is like i want to read i want to read right you know yeah although both of them are identifying
0: more and more letters which i'm very impressed about and
1: i think they're geniuses
0: but right, and that's the thing with her identifying the egg with the bunny sound it's not a down it's not a bad thing she's making the association that's a good start oh no no
1: i yeah and i know and we'll be able even to if it's caviar
0: that... don't come from bunnies but also chicken eggs don't come from bunnies mm-hmm. that's just our weird cultural stuff that we do
1: right right so Uh, yeah but he's the one who's like I need a moment I need to sit quietly I want to read my book quietly leave me alone and (laughs) and the part of me that's like yeah man I I feel you I feel you I I understand you want to sit in the corner and read. you're like your cousins
0: are going to bully you your little sister and your cousins are going to bully you (laughs) but you're right man you read that book (laughs) but you know
1: like I might be wrong because their personalities keep emerging right now. That's the case, but it's fascinating personalities... to
0: watch. Right. I think I I love oh watching gosh. humans emerge like, right. Like how they are one day and how they are another day. And, and you know, I don't think that you're treating them differently. And so just to see like, what's just in them. Oh yeah. Like what's just their who I
1: am. It's so weird to think about like they're twins and so the, the nurture part is like...
0: And and, and I think I, I would never have doubted that for a second with you and I because you and I are so night and day in personality and I don't think... I don't think I... I no one could ever have convinced me that any of that was nurture.
2: Mm-hmm. You and
0: I both know that the differences between you and I are just nature. Like... I am intrinsically shy and horrified at attention, and you are intrinsically extroverted and like, look at me! <laughs> Ta-da! But well, <and> also, like, <laughs> from age. But that is interesting because you identify with Sky, who wants a moment to read his book, and I'm talking about us bullying you when I'm the introvert
1: right well that's yeah but i did right I but reading.
0: it's what I, like people are complex it's not also as simpl- simplistic as that like right like you were the oh, extrovert yeah. who wanted attention who also needed but a moment also- to read her book and go to bed early and leave me alone <laughs> <laughs> people are complex yeah. and it's fascinating people to are watch complex. people and like to, to know all that and to watch your little humans develop into their complexity and to like with all the awareness that we all have from therapy and blah 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 being in twenty twenty one to be like, I'm not trying to change who you are, kid. Be whatever gender, <laughs> be whatever introvert, extrovert, be whatever you are. And they're just like, I don't know. I'm three or I'm two or I'm I'm one and a half. Give me a moment. You know what I mean? Like they're <laughs> they're still like just being a person and that might change from Wednesday to Tuesday fascinating and right now
1: right now of course they're at the age where they
0: get mad but they don't
1: know like physics why won't this float because physics (laughs) (laughs) right right because they've definitely got mad at balls they've got mad at toys they've gotten mad and then you're like okay i honor your anger it's okay to be angry don't slam your head against the wall because that's a thing that they want to do and we're like Okay, I honor your anger. What can you do to
0: express your anger? Oh, I have but a new also... one. I have a new thing. Yeah. Wait, finish your also, and then I'll say it. But also, why are you angry again? And it's like, okay, you're so my angry new thing because that I... the wheel doesn't go yeah. around. So my new thing that I use with patients, but I think would also work with children globally and also adults for all of us. If you go on Amazon or a your local vendor for this, if you have one. Because Amazon is evil. You can get emoji stickers. And like emojis have the range of emotions. So you can be like put a smiling devil on something or put a angry face on something or a weeping face on something. And you can express the emotion that you're having and value that emotion that like I'm angry that gravity exists. I'm angry <laughs> that buoyancy doesn't work in the way I want it to. I'm expressing mm-hmm. this emotion and be like, yeah, that's how you're feeling. This emoji is how you're feeling. And it, what I love about emojis is like, mm. you and I understand it because we send it to each other. But also, an eighteen month old, like, so it's like, it's, it. it's it's you know, it's 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 just a facial expression. And then there's silly ones that are just like a shoe or a bunny or whatever, you know, like. But the oh, way I like it. You can process the emotion and then change and then put a different sticker on and be like but now we're being silly okay fine we're sticking with all these crate, crying angry faces but it, the the fact that it's stickers kind of like takes makes it you know put some levity into it and being like we're processing these nice. emotions and you can process that and be like i'm so mad about gravity but there it is <laughs> Right, <laughs> and then I'm gonna put like a shoe and an eggplant. Well, not an eggplant because you know that has connotations, but not to an 18 month old. But whatever, you know what I mean? Like, right. you can just like put, you know, whatever it is on it, and then you're just like, I process that emotion. So like that's my that's my new jam.
1: Oh, I like that. It's I emoji like that stickers. We're just starting to get into stickers, so I like that a lot.
0: Are they? Are they into stickers? Uh, I should send you guys some emoji stickers.
1: Yeah, yeah. We were just yeah because we got stickers with the egg dyeing kit for easter and um so we put a few on eggs but we also put a few on our hands and it's it was fascinating cool. We'll see how ladybugs. cool
0: stickers are to kids they're just like but this sticker though we are on a a book podcast and we forgot but tell me about oh, sky yeah, and then yeah. we'll go back to that <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> sky was annoyed because the stickers would stick to him oh he didn't like it no right now or at, at, he was like no thank you at, yeah annika liked it he didn't we'll see next time and we haven't done it that much so we'll see fascinating
0: though right isn't it fascinating right little humans are fascinating i know okay, okay so but okay. We're, so, apparently this is a pro row podcast
1: oh yeah that's right okay so <laughs> so I want to go back to why did Perrault suspect Norman Gale from the beginning? And that goes back to that list of everything that was in their pockets. Okay,
0: right. So we did. We, and that, As, this is a thing we haven't shared with the audience yet. So if you haven't thought of it yet, it's not your fault because we haven't shared this list.
1: So the list included that Norman Gale
0: had an empty matchbox in his pocket. Which I didn't even think about. I'm just like, whatever. He ran out of matches and still had the box.
1: But Poirot was like, why the hell was there a wasp on a plane? Which, again, now, I keep thinking about the fact that maybe back in 1935, you did the getting on a plane from a staircase that was outside. I'm assuming. Which is a little bit different because, of course, when you're going from an airport through a tunnel and into the plane, there's no chance. Yeah, no, no. This is, a, this
0: is a Joe Biden trip up the staircase situation. Right, right. So there's, the like, there... Yeah. Right.
1: So there is that. But still, you know, the fact that the wasp didn't show up until like an hour and a half into the flight. I mean, he
0: could have been on break. Wasp would get tired. He okay, was checking okay, his but, phone.
1: But also the fact that there was this wasp you know like a theory that she got stung by a wasp and that's how she died he was like well if that was the theory then whoever killed her had a wasp carrying <laughs> right on right. him and so then norman gale had an empty matchbox and so he's like well that's him but that's weird because he never went towards her he never he only went to the bathroom he has no motive
0: why would he right so basically proro honed in on him as the most likely person because of having this matchbox because who else had a way to carry a wasp onto the plane and set it free because basically if i'm going to hit somebody in the neck with a poison dart if i also, release a wasp. It could look like it was just the wasp that killed you. So that was Paro's theory. But then he was like, "But why would Gail kill her, unless he was the husband of her of her heir?" Right. Which,
1: but at the time he was in love. He could tell, and because that he it's, was courting Jane. It's
0: 1935. Times they sat awkward, awkwardly by each other on a plane one time. So clearly they're madly in love. So Perra was like, well, he's madly in love with Jane. I was like, yeah, but this is their second encounter. So the madly in love right. just started. So his killing instinct could be ha- like right. he he, and that's literally what happened. Like he planned a murder and did all this and then he met Jane. And I don't right. think he wanted to be a better man, but he did.
1: He- but you could do a theory that like he uh if he's in love with Jane, he wouldn't have had another interest on the side. Could have been a reason why it wasn't him. Right,
0: but but if he's in love with Jane, but he's still the kind of person that kills for money, like, just because you fall in love doesn't mean the rest of you changes, and if you still are trying to kill for money, you might still try to kill for money, but also be in love. Right, yeah, fair. I don't know. So, but then how he did it, was really fascinating okay so go go into it the
1: idea so he gets up to go to the bathroom and this is like three quarters the way into the flight
0: and And he he goes to the bathroom very closely because jane is trying not to look at him so she's looking at him constantly
1: right so he goes to the bathroom he puts on his dentist coat he picks up a spoon oh, from
0: the galley. He must have gone with his bag to the bathroom because he had his coat. And
1: this is one of the plot holes that were like, why would he take his bag to the bathroom?
0: Or if he did, why did a witness say he did not take his bag to the bathroom?
1: Right. Because it's they said he didn't go. Unless there were there was luggage on that end. Too. Oh, right.
0: But so They didn't get into that,
1: and that's they didn't get into that, and that's the part because they had the luggage down at the other end. Good point, good where point, both good point. The mystery honor writer and the maid went that was close to um Madame Giselle, the, the victim. But if there, but she didn't say this, Agatha Christie didn't say this because if there were other luggage that was by the bathroom, in the galleys, then all he had to do was find his attache case, put on the coat. Pick up a spoon from the galley. So what he does was he put on
0: his dentist's coat, which looks a lot like a steward's coat. He's now invisible because he's in the service class and people can't see your face when you're in the service class. So he runs down the aisle, brings a spoon to uh, Madame Giselle, but also stabs her in the neck with the poison thorn. And then also releases this wasp right releases then. the wasp so that there can be a confusing you know reason why she died but he leaves the thorn in brushes... her neck he doesn't take it away with him although according to the medical examiners information it going in and out would have been enough to kill her
1: so i guess the so as a murderer so cool. you want he... him
0: to just pull the dart out and not leave it in her neck for it to fall and be found by pro row
1: yeah so here so he rushes back takes off the coat comes out of the bathroom and comes back and sit right. down the other in, thing that's in about time, Jane time did... because it
0: doesn't seem like a long time that he was in the bathroom it's not even like jane was like wow his stomach must have been upset
1: <laughs> but jane did spend the entire time he was in the bathroom Fixing her face. Right. So
0: she's not worried about how long he's gone because she's like, oh my god, he's gone. I can fix my face and worry about all the things I'm self-conscious about.
1: So I guess, so here's the question. We had several questions. So A, the attache case is a briefcase. There's a witness.
0: When they do the inquisition, they inquest. inquest. Inquisition is a different thing. (laughs) That's when you other countries enforce your religion on them um they do the inquest um there's a witness that says that he went to the bathroom and 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 came back carrying nothing and they didn't even have to say that if they had just had the witness say he went to the bathroom and came back but they made a point to say was he carrying anything and the answer was no and so you're like well he was supposed to carry his attache case so that he could put on this jacket And then also release this matchbox with the wasp in it because Jane would have definitely seen it sitting in his seat if he'd released the wasp because she was staring at him.
1: Well, also, or he had the matchbox with the wasp in his pocket during an hour and a half of the flight. Wouldn't you be like, oh, my God, there's a wasp in my freaking pocket next to, you know, important parts? (laughs) Fair enough. I mean, and we know he was wearing a sweater because Jane kept talking about he ha- not looking above his... Right. And then he pullover. had to have this
0: jacket, this dentist coat. I'm picturing this lab jacket, this lab coat that he puts on to pretend to be a steward. But that's kind of big. So it's got to be in the attaché right. case. it got to be in the attaché so, like, case. So how did he get it So, in the bathroom without carrying it to the bathroom? And then...
1: Other questions. So he releases the wasp. He puts the matchbox in his pocket. He goes to the bathroom. Why the hell didn't he put the matchbox in the
0: Okay. So my answer to waste. that question, which you did text me as a question is I in that the position of the murderer I would not think that anyone would think that the matchbox was incriminating. But also, why would you? Yeah, but but it's like, uh, I mean, I have like receipts in my bag that I didn't need to keep. (laughs) Like, I don't always throw things out in a timely manner and I wouldn't, like my CVS receipt isn't incriminating, but I also didn't throw it out. Right, so that's how I see the matchbox is that like, if Praro weren't on the plane, no regular cop would think, did he have an empty matchbox?
1: Well, then this goes to the second question. Why the hell didn't he stab her in the neck with the blow dart and then take the blow dart with her? Right.
0: Because what they told us in the inquest I got it right that time was that this is a poison so powerful that it kills you before you can even pull the needle back out. So if that's true why did he leave the blow dart in her neck instead of taking it with him and then throwing it away.
1: I mean, I suppose if he threw it away in the bathroom and they searched the bathroom. They're like who went to the bathroom. Which they didn't. But they didn't by the way search the bathroom. Did they not? Cuz yeah, they didn't talk about searching the bathroom. I mean, they talked about searching the people's stuff, but they didn't talk about searching the bathroom. <sighs> and and so I guess If he had thrown the matchbox away and the dart away in the bathroom and then they didn't search it, he'd be fine. If they did, they might be like, well, the only person who went to the bathroom was him. Was he thinking that far ahead? I don't don't know. know. But, like, so, and third question, the blow darts itself. So the thorn... We got it. It wasn't blown. It was just placed in her neck because he walked down there. But so the blow dart itself was stuck behind Proro's seat, which is on the other side. So the way that Proro
0: explains it is that as a killer, he was like, I want everyone to think this was the wasp thing. But in case they don't, I will have this blow dart as a sort of red herring to think that someone blew this from across the plane when I really walked up and stabbed her in the neck. So he when when Praro finds the thorn on the floor and it was like, What is this? She wasn't stung by a wasp. It was this thorn from a I'm using air quotes here, native tool or whatever. Right. Um then he stashed the blow dart in behind Puro's seat. But behind Pluro's seat was other passengers. Right. And there's no fingerprints on the blow dart. So somehow he's able to tuck it back there with no one seeing him protecting it from his fingerprints with a girl who has a crush on him watching his every move and no one notices that. I have questions there. Because right. if he I mean, was being so, incognito like, yeah. and didn't know anyone, you could probably get away with a lot of that. But when there's a girl who has a crush on you, staring at you, trying not to stare at you, but staring at you, she's going to notice you do a weird thing like wipe your fingerprints off of a blow dart and put it behind Praro's seat.
1: Well, and also, like, literally sitting behind Praro's seat was the two archaeologists. And I realized that they are really into talking about whatever was happening in 5000 BCE. They but would have noticed they that. They would probably notice a, a guy coming along and sticking a blow dart behind a seat. Right. A bl- yeah. And so they do a lot of question about, because when they were still imagining it could be blowing the dart at her neck as opposed to walking up to her. They do a lot of like, if you were on a plane because the uh, French detective gets on a plane and he picks up something and blows across the plane to see if anybody notices, and everybody notices. It was weird.
0: That's so right. I a, forgot about that. They do. A, That's hilarious. That's a funny scene a where he p- and Praro are going, and he's doing all these like trials of this, and everyone on the plane is like, "What is this weirdo doing?" And Praro is like, "Oh, it's sweet." But again, he doesn't treat him like but, Hastings. Like, he's like, "Oh, he's figuring it out." But like, but no one ever
1: says how the hell did the blow dart end up in right. the seat? No one says that. So I don't know. So I have questions because if she died right away, I understand the wasp thing. Great, great idea. If you're going to kill using a thing that's going to be in the neck, release the wasp. But then take With the you. dart. Flush it. With you. Flush it. The matchbox. And then. They don't. There's no reason. To f- have the blow dart. And. And then there's not that brouhaha. About somebody blew a blue dart. Thing. I mean. Because they kept on talking about how. This was a murder that insulted your intelligence because it was so ridiculous and then paro's like yeah but it worked they're like
0: it's only in detective stories and again that's agatha christie's nod to the fact that this is fiction which she does in literally every story but she's like it's only in fiction novels where there is a mysterious you know native thorn with this venom on it the snake venom on it it's untraceable snake venom
1: Right. Um, So I was looking at the questions. I was going back to our text where I was looking at the questions. I said, why didn't he just keep the thorn? Did he carry his briefcase to the bathroom? How did the blowpipe get pushed behind the seat? With no fingerprints. Why didn't he just throw away the matchbox after he released the bee? And yeah, if he had took the thorn away, I had said, when and take the thorn." And you wrote, "Did it have to sit in here longer to marinate?" But it but said then, they didn't. But
0: then when I reread it, it was like, "No, when they used it to kill a hyena, the hyena was dead before they could pull the needle out." So right, it was a. They emphasized several times how fast-acting this poison was.
1: Right. So like, if he had taken it was a away special the thorn. snake
0: venom from a special place that was super fast-acting.
1: So if he had just taken away the thorn and somehow... Because they also talked about how the blowpipe could have been pushed out a window. I don't quite understand how you can open a window in a plane, but maybe you could back then? No, but
0: probably was saying there was like these ventilation slats or something that you could have pushed the blowpipe into.
1: Right, but then the thorn is even smaller. Right. So he could have thrown the thorn... Through the slat for sure, and then it would just been the wasp. And then the wasp story would have done it. Then he wouldn't have been able to keep the matchbox in his pocket, and then it would just look innocent because it's like I have a matchbox. And yeah, so I don't understand why he wouldn't have done that. And then the biggest one for me is yeah, how did he get the lab coat?
0: Right, if he didn't carry his bag with him to the bathroom, which again, most men wouldn't. Right. Like, I know when I'm on a date, if I take my bag to the bathroom with me, it's noticeable. Right. Right, and I might do it. Right. well, Because I want to check my phone, or I want to powder my nose, as it were. I think it's the same expression back then and now, but you want to check your makeup for vanity reasons. Normally, you're on your period. There's a reason that you right. take your bag with you to the bathroom.
1: But guys? But
0: you notice that you do it if you take your bag with you to the bathroom or not. Right. And you know that like the person might notice that you do it. Right. But a, a guy, first of all, doesn't have a bag with him. And if he has a bag with him, he definitely doesn't carry it with him to the bathroom. Because the guys don't have periods or any other right. vanity excuse to have a need to use a thing in the bathroom besides peeing or pooping right right so, so why look, do you need your bag with you so it would be noticeable if you took a bag with him to the bathroom so if not how did he produce his dentist jacket out of right. thin air to, to impersonate he, a steward and if he put it on walked
1: down killed her released the bee walked back took it off and then walked back to his seat which is what's supposed to have happened Like, what? Did he put it under his sweater? Like, she would have noticed if he'd taken something out of his attache case and put it in under his
0: sweater. Which is what I was thinking with him hiding the blow dart in Paro's seat. Like, Jane was watching him the whole time because she has a crush on him. So, how did he hide a blow dart in Paro's seat without getting fingerprints on it. So not only did I hide it, but I also did not touch it with my hands. Right. Well,
1: I mean, I could imagine picking it up like with the lab coat or whatever, you know, but, but but not obviously. And there were people sitting in the seats. A few people got up when they were like, Oh, this lady's dead, which is presumably when he might've hidden it.
0: Um, but not everybody got up. But I'm thinking again, like you might do a quick slip of the hand. But you've been using your hand, and if you cover something with a, I don't. Know, I feel like it's even harder to keep your fingerprints off of it if you're doing something with a quick, quick sleight of hand.
1: Oh, fair, although COVID times, the amount of things I figured out how to touch without using my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, like uh, crosswalk buttons. You know. Fair enough.
0: But to you take know, an object and hide it in someone else's seat, you still gotta use your hands. Yeah,
1: and I guess the question is, I'm trying to figure out how big this object is. And as I said, I'm imagining the first Indiana
0: Jones
1: blow darts,
0: <laughs> you
1: know, and they weren't that big, I suppose.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, it's like a little pipe. Yeah, but yeah. So we had a lot of questions, and then so we is- had questions about the actual mechanisms of the murder, but. Overall, what I love about this book is it's a smart premise. The person getting killed who might have done it is smart. Praro is not despicable. Right. Like he comes off as an old, very much older, very geriatric expert who is a mentor to the young French guy in a not. Belittling way, and he also in a
1: I don't know Harley Quinn kind of way, or I don't know if it's Satterwhite kind of way, where he's keeps popping in on Jane and Norman's dates because he
0: knows that he's a killer, right? Even before he figures out he's a killer, he's like, something is making my intuition spike up here. Well,
1: from the beginning, he knows that the matchbox was in you know Norman's pocket, so he's like, ooh. I right. don't know. Maybe. And then he's like figuring out because then we find out that because um, Anne says her name is Richards and that Norman has a second name and that, that. Yeah. So there's some background about that he used to work on a snake farm and that's how he got snake venom. Yada, yada. Yeah. But uh, we a, he keeps popping in on Norman and Jane's dates and throws Jane at the French archaeologist's son. Because Which who oh, is he's...
0: super charming right. and not just because of his French accent, but he's also super charming and interesting. And Jane is interested in him. But because Norman, you know, yeah. Norman was right there, she was distracted. But she also was genuinely interested in Mr. French archaeologist what... young guy. Well I yeah, So when Poro like... keeps throwing him at her at him it, it, it's not just like an artificial construct they actually are interested in each other and it's cute
1: and it's funny because at one point and when, he's not a murderer which is super hot she'd been going <laughs> out. um was she'd been going out with norman and then she runs into uh what's his name jean dupont um she runs into him at a coffee shop in london and he's clearly interested and asks her out and then she kind of does the whole when it rains it pours kind of thing like which (laughs) totally has happened in my life where i've been like no one is interested in me no isn't interested in me oh my god five people you know like right Right. like it definitely feels like that sometimes but um maybe not five maybe but why not but why not let's say five um but um But this, she talks about that, like the whole, Mm -hmm. when it rains, it pours thing, because it was clear that Jean Dupont was interested in her, but she was like, oh, I'm dating Norman. But yeah, Poirot keeps kind of throwing her. And then that ruse where he gave a donation to the father and said, hey, I'm giving you this donation so you'll take Jane and told Jane it was so that he could get information from him probably it wasn't for that it was so that she had something to do outside of London away from Norman after he broke her heart when I mean pro pro broke Jane's heart. <laughs> broke Jane's heart by letting her know
0: that the guy she was in love with was a murderer right and but so- now she's and, and that was the other kind of like little piece of this is that like while well, she bought herself this little vacation from her little winnings from the lottery she had a very small world but she had grown up as an orphan in foster care and had these dreams of seeing the world and kind of talked about that and so this idea of going on these like worldwide to go on these archaeological digs like while she didn't have the experience that proper pretended that she did she did have the interest Mm -hmm. and was like that would be awesome i would love to see the world i would love to learn about world history i'd love to see all these different sites and she was really fascinated by expanding her world and it was a good personality fit for her right and you know and she had a good banter with mr young archaeologist man jean dupont um
1: yeah and i what's the very end um she says to perro i will never fall in love again and he goes yeah i know that's dead <sighs> to you now and then later he's like yeah she she will and i've thrown her in an archaeology dig with like four people and one of them is this young man so she's gonna fall in love again but it was interesting because he's not condescending when she says i'm never going to fall in love again
0: yeah no and that's really sweet too i think he's he's much more likable in this book and then in several books because of that like he's just like yeah girl you are a serious scientist now go be a scientist and he's like she's totally gonna sleep with him but she does he but she he doesn't let that leak out in front of her right right which you know like is the right
1: thing to do when somebody's heart is broken so badly, like you're falling in love and it turns out he was a freaking murderer. Right. Of course you're like, yeah, no, my- I'm done. Yeah. Men. Whoa. Not going to happen. Yeah. And so go and visit wherever they were digging up, you know? And so going back to my frozen analogy. <laughs> Thank you. Love it. You know, Uh, So, Norman was the bad guy who was like, oh, we have so much in common. And then Jean Dupont is the dorky guy with the reindeer. (laughs) You know? Or it's like, actually, can we just let this grow organically? No rush. You know, we don't have to have a lot of things in common. We could actually learn from each other. You know? Yeah, totally. And, And But also, Agatha Christie, we know got dumped by her first husband and then married an archaeologist.
2: <laughs>
1: right. So was this a little bit like well the first guy you fall
0: in love with turns out to be a murderer like or maybe just a cheater
1: or maybe just a cheater but, but still you know, he sucks. He sucks. And, and so it, it also is cute because when Jane decides def, describes jean that'll be interesting if they did get together jane and jean hello we're jane and jean (laughs) oh (laughs) but anyway um jane jane and john Dupont. now if they got married okay but anyway (laughs) she describes him as unworldly he she said he's a deer but he's kind of innocent and unworldly which is really interesting way to describe a guy who travels all over the world right you know, but he's not
0: just... at parties and at casinos and doing coke and those. He's not worldly in that way, right? He's in, he's doing nerd nerd things with his nerd dad, right? Right. But he's yeah. literally worldly, like he's literally he's literally
1: worldly. Yeah, and I thought that was such a funny thing to say, where she's like, "He's so sweet and he's a dear and he's kind of unworldly," and I was like, "What? He's been more places in the world than." Right, all the people you know,
0: right, but that's interesting. Then, the way that uh, you know, society in quotes um, thinks about what's worldly.
1: Right, because in her world, especially being the hairdresser's assistant working for rich women, worldly were the rich women who went to certain places and gambled and did drugs,
0: right? Right, and so that's what's actually interesting about the message of this book is where the happy ending for this girl is going off on this archaeological adventure. She's probably going to marry so-and-so, but that's not set in stone. What's set in stone is that she's going And she's going to see the actual world instead of hearing about it from these rich ladies and then winning the lottery and, you know, buying a trip to go gamble. She's going to go to places and see things and it's real. Right, right. And so that's the real adventure. And it's, you know, there's lots of foreshadowing that she's going to, she and the the young archaeologists are going to fall in love. But that's not, we don't know that that's not set in stone. And that's okay. Right. If it didn't happen, we'd still be happy for her right i mean
1: Peroro also was chatting with somebody at the end about how he was trying to get lady horbury to stop being a bitch to divorce her husband let her husband get a divorce let Um, him marry for horsey venetia (laughs) venetia um and then um and then she could marry her actor the actor she was interested in right um, which is a little bit like, you know, the whole old money must marry old money kind of interesting. Like,
0: but, you know,
1: don't don't marry out of your class.
0: Well, I mean, it could it. be don't marry out of your class, but it also be just be like, y'all are both into horses and in the States and I'm not that into that. <laughs> right, right. Like, it yeah, it's cool, uh... but it's actually really boring. <laughs> right, right. So, like,
1: he might have ended up creating three different happy couples at the end. Right. So it
0: does kind of go super happy fun times, as you would say.
1: Yeah, yeah. Which, but it was, nothing is set in stone at the end. It's really nice because he pushes Lady Horbury to do the right thing. And he pushes Jane to hang out with Jean Dupont. Um, But, yeah, the ending is just like, you know we arrested the bad guy who was clearly And horrible. he didn't
0: commit suicide for one so he's going to actually have to face trial. Right.
1: And they talked about how he went from looking super attractive to like a rat.
0: Yeah, it's so interesting. And realized- I think that's true. That happens to me too. Like when someone goes from knowing something not knowing like to thinking they're innocent to knowing something bad about them. Their entitled appearance can change in my own head but oh, also totally Also, when the mask falls, right? When someone is like, oh, well, fuck it. I'm going to stop pretending. Then they drop the mask and they can be hideous now just from what they're putting out there. But also when you know things about them. So I I found that all really realistic where it was like, oh, he was so handsome and charming and now he's hideous.
1: No, totally. Yes. And that has happened to me. I can remember having crushes on guys in college. Freshman year, I had a crush on the guy for the first you know, freshman orientation, like the first couple of weeks. And then he started saying stuff that was uh, homophobic. And I was like, ah, actually, you're not that attractive. Right. I, you know, uh, I, yeah, you don't even look that good to me anymore. Like, right. It just changed the way your
0: brain, your brain just like, I don't see it anymore. Can literally change for you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And yeah. So, yeah, the description was really nice. And since we make, we criticize her a lot for how she describes women. And I still think that's a valid thing. Like, I don't have a big picture in my mind about what all the men in this story look like, but I have a big picture. We know exactly
0: how attractive each woman is. Which is. Like, she's a 7.34, and I know that for sure. (laughs) Right.
1: so I, I I am frustrated that Agatha Christie does this, but, you know, she might just be a product of the fact that we do that, you know, right. um, and society does that more to women. Um, but she does mention a lot of how attractive Norman is. Right. And then that he gets unattractive when you realize that, oh, by the way, he's a horrible murderer. <laughs>
0: so (laughs) right and when he's caught he kind of goes into that trapped animal thing and loses all his facade of attractiveness
1: yeah so yeah i like this it's probably one of my favorite praroe stories
0: yeah i i mean praroe was likable in it which is kind of i hate to say it rare for him you know like even when he goes into egotistical moments there's jab saying here he goes but it's different than when it happens with him in Hastings, where Hastings is like, "Here he goes," but then he's like Hastings, and he's just abusive yeah. and mean, right? But like Jab right. is his equal, so when Jab teases him, it's fine. And he's also kind of made out to be super old, so I don't know. like his is really worked for me in this one, and I liked him being a mentor to that younger French detective, and right, right? I, I thought he was likable even at the end when he's like, shut up, let me get through this. I need to tell you my whole process. And it was like, right. right. Okay. He's autistic, but you know, most of us are, and that's fine. Like he needs to tell us his whole process (laughs) and it doesn't even feel ego based. It just feels like, I want you to know this whole process. And again, we know as the reader, of course, we want to know the whole process because we've been going along this whole process with you and we wanted to figure it out ourselves
1: right right yeah i i I enjoy this one i think it's fun it's yeah i think it's a really good poirot story um yeah and he can be quirky without being an asshole because the whole detective savant because sherlock holmes was like i see things and i'm an asshole but i'm allowed to be an asshole because i see things and like you know law and order um Yeah, one of Vincent uh, D'Onofrio. Yes, Vincent D'Onofrio's character is very much like I see things, so I get to be an asshole, right?
0: And Uh, but I just over and I've actually noticed that I think that at some point Agatha Christie, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but if he comes back, seems to have sort of ditched Hastings because I think that Hastings Mm -hmm. brings out the worst in Praro. (laughs) I feel like he just has this abusive side that's not endearing and i haven't read enough sherlock holmes i've watched some of the movies and stuff but like and other interpretations when it comes to the sherlock hastings dynamic no sherlock watson Watson. thank you (laughs) i was like i'm mixing up my struggles sherlock watson dynamic um but i feel like Hastings is just brings out this like abusive side in, in, in Praro that I don't like. So I feel like her getting rid of Hastings in a lot of these books is to our benefit as a reader, because I don't like her Praro is around Hastings.
1: Right, right. No, I agree. I agree. And I'm trying to think, does he come back? I'm just reading ahead. Dumb witness, death on the
0: Nile. Um, I think he's in Dumb Witness.
1: Appointment with Death. I think, I think Hastings
0: theft. is in Dumb Witness. But it, it goes better. I don't know. That one I... No, he is. He's totally the- in Dumb Witness. And it's adorable. Because the book does this interior monologue for the dog through oh, Hastings' right. voice. And he's right. Like, he, like Hastings, imagine what's the, what the dog is saying. And Hastings is spot on. And it's adorable. And, like, that's super sweet.
1: Yeah, but I'm trying to think. I'm looking at the rest of these. And and she also goes way more into uh, Marple
0: after this. There's a lot of Marples that come up. Interesting. So, yeah. So I think she doesn't do as many... Hastings. Yeah, because that, that dynamic doesn't hold up as well.
1: Yeah, the friend who he gets to say how much smarter he is. I mean, because it's like... I think for Watson and Hastings, there sometimes is they're supposed to be us. If the other, um, if the, in, if the uh, detective is supposed to be the genius, then Watson or Hastings are supposed to be us who are like,
0: uh, what? Right. But, but uh, and then it's yeah. true, we don't like to be insulted so much right like yeah yeah make it subtle when you insult me <laughs> right right totally so
1: yeah so i think he doesn't appear very much i think he came back for the one we didn't like very much what was the one we didn't like
0: And um, should be more specific
1: <laughs> oh the sp-
0: where she tried to get all spotted. oh the big four that's so terrible yeah this one. So oh, that's uh, rough.
1: Yeah, but uh, but he came back for that. But I think
0: the, yeah. he went back to and then Earth and then and Earth Earth Earth. he comes okay. back in okay. dumb witness, which is worth it because he's adorable. So speaking of which, what's next for us? Murder in Mesopotamia.
1: Yes. Yes. Another pro okay. row. Yeah. And then oh wait, Hastings might be in the ABC murders. Okay. Oh, and cards on the table. Actually, we have we have we have like three proros in a row coming Yeah, so um, yeah, murder in Mesopotamia. Murder in Mesopotamia yeah. is next. Okay, all right. Well- so we'll do that one next. But uh, yeah, this was a fun one, and uh, all the plot
0: holes, notwithstanding, it was a pretty cool. It was a cool one. Murder. Like like the motivation was interesting. The twists were interesting. Like and they walked me down the path for Jane Grey being the heiress and then she wasn't like I thought I thought the it was very nuanced it was it was smart yeah yeah so
1: yeah I enjoyed it and I really enjoyed the just the journey of Jane she was like I identified with her
0: a lot yeah she's a fun character like, like she's she's another one like tuppence where you're just like I could imagine being her
1: Right. She's a hairdresser's assistant. She doesn't have a lot of money. She goes on this trip. There's a cute guy and then they start dating and then there's another cute guy and she's... Which one should you
0: date? The one that's more into you and it's more aggressive and it's more charming but turns out he's a killer or the French one? (laughs) (laughs) Well, when
1: you put it like that... Yeah. So, yeah, I enjoyed this one. Uh, I always have. It's one of the ones that I... I took one of my go-to ones and it wasn't until I started thinking about it for the podcast that I was like, wait a minute. Like I have read this. A well, yeah, when of I reread and it
0: not... and they had some random witness be like, he took nothing with him to the bathroom and came back with nothing from the bathroom. And I was like, they could have left that out. And I would have, wouldn't have thought about it. But now that demand- the witness said he carried nothing with him to the bathroom. I'm like, well, how did he carry his lab coat?
1: Yeah, and so now I just keep imagining they stuck under everything under his sweater somehow. But how would he do that if Jane was like staring but not staring? But it's a great book. It is. It's a fun book. I I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. So
0: all right, we will uh, see you guys next time when we get into murder in Mesopotamia. Mesopotamia.